Hey, welcome back. It's so good that you can join us again today. We want to continue with this new series that we're in that's called By My Spirit. And uh, we took some time last week to start this series where we're just pausing to think, what is it to have the Holy Spirit now indwelling in our lives? This needs to be more than a concept, a theology, but it needs to be actuality in our hearts. This is real, that God has placed his spirit now in us. Not a spirit, his spirit. What's the ramifications of that? What's the benefits of that? That's what we're taking time to look at in this mini-series. Last week we looked at being filled with the spirit, but it was always God's plan and desire to fill our lives with his presence, his ability, his power. Now the Old Testament or the pre-cross experience of the Holy Spirit was always about God being outside of us and leading us, meeting with him in tents and tabernacles. But all of those things, all of those pre-cross experiences of the Holy Spirit were always leading to a new day, a new time, a new dispensation, a new era, where the Holy Spirit would no longer be external to our lives, but now living within. Then we looked also at the coming of the Holy Spirit. We read about this in the book of Acts, chapter 2, that moment where we call the day of Pentecost, where Jesus had ascended, the blood had been accepted by the Father, Jesus had atoned our sins, he'd made full payment for our wrongdoing, all the things that caused us separation. And when he came into heaven and was seated at the right-hand side of the Father, the Father then did what he'd promised to do, he sent the Holy Spirit, not to live in buildings made by man, but to live in the hearts of me and you. We established that the Holy Spirit is the one who causes us to be born again. Our new birth into the kingdom of God comes from being not born of the flesh, but being born of the Spirit. We also know that it's the Holy Spirit that seals our lives. The Bible says until the day of our redemption. It's the Holy Spirit who regenerates our lives. He's the one that causes the old creation to fully become the new creation. But it's also the Holy Spirit who desires to fill our lives. And we read about that in Ephesians 5, 18. But he doesn't want us to have one experience of being filled by him, but rather a continued experience of be being filled. So his desire within us is to be resident, reigning and ruling in our lives. Don't you love those three R's? Resident, reigning and ruling. He doesn't just want to live within us. He wants to rule and reign and reside in our lives. Because you can have the presence of somebody in your home, um, but that's very different to a person residing in your home. When a person is present in your home, you can lock them in a room. You can say, you need to stay in this one room. But when a person resides in your home, they have access to every place, every room, the loft, the basement. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to just live in us, but he wants to reside, rule and reign. So the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be inactive in our lives. He doesn't just want to be the one who seals us, the one who's present with us, with his indwelling presence. Rather, he wants to be active, busy, helping us to transform into the likeness of Christ. Now, many Christians sadly settle 
for him just being present. And that's such a shame because God intended so much more when he sent his spirit to live in us than him just being present within us. We see this in the early church. When you read through the epistles, those moments after the book of Acts, those moments after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, God's people, we see that they were being led, they were being empowered, they were laying hands on the sick and the sick were being healed. They were casting out devils, they were casting out demons, they were being inspired and prompted by the Holy Spirit. That's the picture of what God wants you and me to experience today. Because the good news is the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that led Peter and Paul in their endeavors of faith is the same Holy Spirit who now lives and resides in us. Now, he came for a number of purposes and uh, so many purposes, it would be a long series if we tried to cover them all. But he came to empower us. He came to transform us into the likeness of Christ. He came to comfort us in times where we need comfort. He came to help us and assist us. He's the helper that Jesus referred to when he was teaching the disciples of his coming. But he also came to lead us. And this is what I want to concentrate in our time together today on the aspect of the Holy Spirit who is now present within us, not being inactive, but daily leading us in successful paths and godly ways. So a key verse that I want to read to you today is from the book of John, chapter 16, verses 13 to 15. And it's that moment when Jesus is speaking to the disciples of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Those moments before his trial and the cross and the resurrection. Let's read these verses together today. But when he, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will uh, speak only what he hears and will tell you of what is yet to come. It's the spirit of prophecy. And he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and then he will make known to you. So in these incredible verses, we see Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit is coming to guide us, to guide our lives. Now that word guide is a Greek word, hodigio, and it also means to lead. It could be either or. Jesus is saying that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. But it also means he will lead you into all truth, not just into all truth, but into every aspect in our life where we need good leadership. Imagine if you were dropped in a jungle somewhere in Africa, uh, Borneo, somewhere where the, the forest is so dense and you were allowed one thing. What would you ask for? Maybe you would say food or water. Now, I would ask for a guide, somebody who knows their way through the jungle. He can lead me to water. He can lead me to food. See, the Holy Spirit wants to be in our lives, a guide to us, 
to lead us in the ways that we should go. So the Greek word is guide, but also it means to lead. He will take the role of leading us. He wants to sit in the driver's chair of the car that now belongs to God. We said that last week, didn't we? That at salvation, the car of our life becomes God's. But what we've got to learn to do is get out of the driver's chair into the passenger chair and let the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, be the one who now causes direction, success, and the route that we take in life from within us. See, the Old Testament, uh, we read about God leading people very much externally by the law. But in the New Testament, we read how the Holy Spirit now guides us internally in accordance and agreement to the word. But it's no longer us being led from external law, but rather internal dwelling presence of God's own spirit. Now, spirit led is also an evidence and a demonstration of us now being God's children. It really is. And the Bible says this really clear. Let me read you these verses here. But are wonderful verses when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And we find them in Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verses 9 to 14. Let me read these verses to you. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh any longer, being soul-led, but you're now in the realm of the Spirit. You're in the day of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Jesus Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So God's spirit in us is actually the evidence of us now belonging to God. That's why it's strange when some Christians say, are you spirit filled? Are you a spirit filled Christian? Well, when you read these verses, there's only one variety of, of Christian, one variety of God's family, those who were born of the Spirit, who have Jesus now living in them. It says, let me read it to you again. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, which he is, uh, then even uh, your body, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you, which he is, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives now in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we do have an obligation, but it is no longer to the flesh to live according to the carnal desires of a self-life that we had outside of God. For if you live any longer according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Holy Spirit, who's now living in you, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, here's the statement that I want to end with as we read these passages of Scripture. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, who's now within them, are the children of God. Those are powerful verses, aren't they? But teach us a number of things. Number one, here Paul recognises the old former Adam-related life that we had before we were born again. And he calls that the flesh. He calls that the old self-life. And uh, what he's saying in these verses is we were once in Adam. We were once led by the flesh, our soulishness, our selfishness. We were the government of our own life. But now Paul says it's changed. 
You're no longer to be led by the flesh, you outside of God, but now you're to be led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, who's now living in you, that you received when you were born of the Spirit. Number two, His Spirit now within us always leads us in God's direction, and that's always the way to life. The Holy Spirit in you will always cause you to walk away from things that are death and towards things that are life. Remember what Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, John 10. But I have come that you would have life and abundance of life. So when the Holy Spirit is leading us from within our lives, the directions he causes us to go in are always towards life and life abundant. Now, the third point that I get from those verses is that those who allow their lives to be led by the Spirit are those who are living like God's kids. Remember what it said in that final statement of the verse, that those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. When we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives, we demonstrate to those who are watching, principalities and powers, earthly friends and family, that we are children of God who have Christ now living in us. So it's key that we understand these two leaders in our lives, that there was a time before that we were spirit-led where we were led <clears throat> by a former leadership which was us. We were in control of our life. We had a sin nature within us. We wanted things that benefited us. Everything that we did, every decision we made, normally led to death because it was a selfish, self-led, soulish, flesh leadership within us. But when we were born again, God placed a new spirit in us. Remember the verses from Ezekiel. I will take out an old heart, give you a new heart. I will put my spirit within you. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, we then have a choice. Now, God always gives you choice. He gives you a choice to receive him or reject him, to walk in his ways or to walk in your own ways. And with the Holy Spirit now living in us, God again gives us a choice. We can continue, let's call it business as usual, to walk in the ways that we always walked before we belonged to God, before God was living in us, and keep on going through the perishing circles that never really go anywhere good for us or for others, or we could say, Holy Spirit, you now live in my life. You haven't come to be inactive, but you want to lead me in better ways and on better pathways. Now, there's going to be a reaction in your life when you decide to let the Holy Spirit be the leadership of your life. Remember, one of the reasons the Holy Spirit has come is to lead you and guide you into all things true. Now, imagine with me of a reaction of an everyday office. But maybe you've worked in an office for 57 years, 58 years. <coughs> you've been in charge. Everything the office did was down to your decision making. Suddenly you hear that the company has been taken over by a new owner. This is just a parable, um, a, an imaginary story to just look at what we're dealing with today. But all of a sudden you've been leading this company and you get a memo, an email. The company's now been bought out. You have a new owner. <clears throat> and he's sending a new manager today. 
And all of a sudden, you've been leading this company, your life, for 57, 58 years. And all of a sudden, a new boy comes in to the office. The owner of the company brings this new man in and says, from this moment, he's in charge. The good news is you're not sacked, but you're no longer in charge. You're no longer the key decision maker. Your role is to now outwork the direction that this new man brings to the company. Now, think about it. If you've been leading the company for 57, 58 years, normally you wouldn't sit back and go, well, that's all right, isn't it? Yep, I'm going to do exactly what I'm told. Rather, you would say, wait a moment, I've been in charge. We've always done things this way. We've always handled these things in this way. Uh, because you'd have a reaction to a new leader being in the office. That's a picture of what it's like when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, our soul, the soul of who we were, that which once led us, isn't fired because your soul is a part of the design of God making you as a triune being. But what you need to do now is put the Holy Spirit as the boss of your life and bring your soul, which was once the boss of your life, under the leadership of God's Spirit now in you. Now, you could turn around and go, well, wait a moment, I've led this company for years. The owner, God, would respond and look what you did with it. It's time for a leadership takeover. It's time for a better leader in the office of your world. So that helps us to understand a little bit that it's not old leadership, business as always. Now we say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We acknowledge you as God's leadership, no longer outside of us alone, but now dwelling within. Okay, here's a key question. Where does he lead us? There's many answers to that, but I've grabbed about four answers and we're going to squeeze them into the time that we've got left together. Number one, he leads us in God's direction for your life, for our lives and always towards abundant life. A great picture of this can be found in the classic 23rd Psalm, because it's all about the shepherd leading us. Let me read that Psalm to you again today and listen to how the shepherd which is God, his spirit now living in us, leads us in the daily endeavours of our life. You ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So the Holy Spirit brings you out of lack and into abundance. He makes me lie down in green pastures. See, the Holy Spirit gives you rest. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. When you let the Holy Spirit lead your life, he leads you by quiet waters. Where you were once living in tornadoes, he leads you in rest. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for God's namesake. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil because he is with me. His rod and the staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Aren't those wonderful verses that we read about in that psalm? Now, the reality is the places that are mentioned in that psalm are the places that God wants to lead us in our daily life. He wants to lead us out of chaos and into calm, out of lack and into abundance, not just financial abundance, health, well-being, wholeness. The Holy Spirit always wants to lead us to better places. And the question is, we all know that when we read Psalm 23, we're speaking of the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. 
But we have to understand that that's not Jesus in his person leading you. That's Jesus in his spirit leading you. Because Jesus in his person is seated at the right hand side of a father. But God's spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of the shepherd now lives in us. And he's the one that leads us by still waters, quiet streams, brings us from lack to plenty it's the Holy Spirit. Number two, he leads us into all truth. And that's what it says in John 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide and lead you into all truth. He reveals to us what is truth and what is a lie. Um, he reveals to us what is real and what is not. He puts an alarm bell in us so that when we're in the moment or in the presence of what's not true, suddenly the Holy Spirit in us goes, uh-uh, that's not true. He leads us into truth. That's useful in a world that's filled with so many lies, isn't it? But we have a spirit of truth living in us. Number three, he leads us in prayer. Again, this is just a small handful of the areas that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. Now, listen to what it says here in Romans 8 verse 26 about the role of the Holy Spirit leading us in prayer. Are you ready? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, in all of our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for. The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. This is so powerful, isn't it? But we've got the Holy Spirit in us. This is a subject in its own. But let's just skim over it just to rejoice in the fact that the Holy Spirit is in us to lead us into successful prayer. Successful prayer with our natural language from the country that we were born in, but also successful successful prayer with our heavenly language. You know, we're a Pentecostal people. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe that God gives another language to his people to enable us to pray in intercession, but also to pray effectively. And we shouldn't be confused by the gift of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues. Some people taught that it was the evidence of his indwelling. No, it's a evidence. I know a lot of people that maybe don't speak in tongues, but their life's demonstrate a spirit-led life and a spirit-filled life. But I know others who speak in tongues, but they also speak in gossip as well. It's not the only evidence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, but it's a powerful gift and tool that enables us to pray effectively. I love it when I'm in a moment, I'm sure you've been in a moment like this, where you just don't know what to pray, a situation, a circumstance, you don't know what to pray. And all of a sudden you ask, Holy Spirit, help me to pray. And then you have the perfect prayer to pray. He's helping you in your weakness. But also, in times when I don't know what to pray, I pray in the heavenly language that I got when the Holy Spirit came to live in me. Don't be confused about the heavenly language, speaking in tongues. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a mute person. And the Holy Spirit now living in you wants to be able to speak through you. That's the prayer language. That's speaking in tongues. When you allow the one who's present within you, the Holy Spirit, you give him the ability to pray through you things that you don't understand. We need to do a whole teaching on this, but I'm sure that you get the point. Now, the fourth area that he leads us is in the word. The Bible reveals the Holy Spirit as the great teacher. 
These things I have spoken to you. This is John 14, 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of all that I have said. And again, John 16, verse 13. He will guide you, lead you into all that is true. Now, the Holy Spirit, you can read about this in Ephesians 1, 7, uh, 17, Ephesians 1, 17, is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What's revelation? Revealed knowledge or revealed knowing. So when we're reading the Bible, we shouldn't try to attempt to read it with our own mental capability, but rather we should say, Holy Spirit, give me revelation. Holy Spirit, great teacher of heaven, spirit of the living God, as I open the Holy Scriptures, the God-breathed Word of God, would you come the words, would you cause the words in your word to come alive in my understanding. That's revelation. Now, it's better than a mental knowing. It's when the Holy Spirit reveals something to you. And that's his job because he's the spirit of wisdom. He gives you wisdom that the world ain't got. And he's the spirit of revelation. He causes the things that you're reading that are God-inspired to be revealed to you in a way that causes your life to be transformed, renewed, empowered, enlightened. And it's not just like reading another book. So this is exciting, isn't it? These are just some of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to be doing in our lives. So many things concerning why he's come. But it leaves us with one key question. One key question that affects us all. You ready for it? Will you let him? Because you can have the presence of a teacher, someone that wants to empower you in prayer, someone that wants to lead you in your life. But you also have the choice to ignore them, to pretend they're not there, to treat them like they're not in the room. Now, when you do that, you don't affect his deity, his power, who he is, but you affect your experience of him. I want to encourage you. Don't be that sort of Christian. Don't be ignoring the Holy Spirit. Don't be ignoring the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Don't be ignoring about how he wants to cause the Bible to light up when you read it. He wants to lead you in prayer so your prayer is effective. He wants to strengthen you when you're weak. He wants to lead you in the daily decisions of your life. Let's be a person that says, Holy Spirit, by faith, I thank you. As the prophets foretold, the Father promised, and Jesus clearly taught, you have come into my life, not to be inactive or dormant or merely seal me for the day of redemption, but to lead me in the perfect ways of God in my daily life. That's awesome, isn't it? Next week, we're going to look at how he doesn't just lead us, but he also empowers us. Empowerment means ability beyond our own. So I want to encourage you this week, be a week where you're acknowledging the Holy Spirit in your life. Let this be a week where you're welcoming him every day, every moment, welcoming his leadership. Let this be a week where you tell the old leadership of your life, that self-led, soulish leadership, 
Sit down and do what you're told. Let this be a week where the Holy Spirit sits on the throne of your life, the key chair of the office of your life, and leads you in better ways than you've ever known. See you next week. God bless.